This is Kurt Ballou from Converge, and you're listening to The New Scene. everybody and welcome to the new scene i am your host keith and we're back with another brand new episode and on the show this week we've got raygun bush of chatpile chatpile has made a big impact lately with their 2022 lp god's country and we cover that we cover raygun's history with music growing up in oklahoma city scoring music for film acting. Raygun is up to a lot of interesting things, and we talk about all of it, and that's coming up shortly. But first, here's how you can support the new scene. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at New Scene Pod. Shirts. We've got a fine selection of shirts over at Death Wish Inc. Go check it out and pick one up. It's a great way to support the show. Reviews. Give us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You hitting that five-star button helps us out a lot. Also, you can write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you write a nice review, I'll read it on the air. Also, don't forget to support Iodine Recordings. And we've got big news this week. Iodine welcomes a new band to the roster. And it is... No Man. DC hardcore punk band No Man began in 2017 following the end of Majority Rule. I mean, listen to that. Come on. Come on. What are we doing? What are we doing? It doesn't get any better than that. To welcome No Man to the Iodine roster, we are premiering a new track, which you are hearing right now. It's called Poison Darts. It's from their forthcoming LP, which is due out in early 2024. It's available on all streaming services. So go and check it out. Iodine is offering a limited edition Flexi 7-inch for Poison Darts that will be included free with mail orders at Deathwish Inc. while supplies last. So grab one of those with any order. Also, No Man will be supporting FOM on tour. We recently had Kat from FOM on our show. That was a great conversation. Their select dates in July in Europe. For the full listing, Head to the Instagram of FOM or No Man or Iodine Recordings. In other Iodine news, Stretch Armstrong are playing House of Independence October 20th in Asbury Park, New Jersey with Folly, With Honor, and Town Liar. They're also playing October 21st at Amityville Music Hall in Long Island, New York. And this show is with This Is Hell and With Honor. There's some rare Northeast appearances for Stretch Armstrong. You gotta go see those. Also, Quicksand Books are shipping right now. The 64-page hardcover book chronicles the release of the influential album Slip by Quicksand. It includes a foreword by Walter Schreifels, never-before-seen photographs, original art, rare concert posters, show flyers, a lot of stuff from 1990 to 1994. We've got contributions from Anthrax, Helmet, Sepultura, Thursday, Rise Against, Refused, Youth of Today, Thrice, Agnostic Front, Snapcase, Earth Crisis, Caven, 
and many more. I mean, Quicksand's influence is just undeniable. Look at that list of bands. The book is limited to only 2,000 numbered copies, and it's almost sold out. There's only about 100 left, and once they're gone, they are gone for good. So make sure you get yours now. For more information, head to the Iodine Instagram at Iodine Recordings, or to the Iodine website at iodinerecordings.com. And last but not least, don't forget to support this month's sponsor, Death Wish Inc. Greet Death! Have Midwest tour dates kicking off June 23rd. Make sure you go see them because they are literally the best band I've heard in the last five years or so. And I've seen them live, so I can attest to how great the live show is. I mean, come on. Anthony Lucero has a new museum-quality print, I'm Not Gonna Cry, in four different sizes. It's available now in the Death Wish Inc. store. And you know what? I see a lot of these prints that Death Wish Inc. advertises. Different prints, you know, there's band stuff, there's art by Jacob Bannon, all kinds of good stuff. Check it out and pick one up. If you're looking for something to spruce up your walls. Loma Prieta. Last. It's finally coming out next week. Did you get your copy? Did you pre-order it? Have you heard the new singles? Make sure you do it. This is going to be a great, great record. For more information, head to the Death Wish Instagram at Death Wish Inc. Or to the Death Wish website at deathwishinc.com. Okay. So let's talk music recommendations. Now, I just got back from a little run with the Darling Fire. We just did five dates with the amazing, the incredible Spotlights. Now, I've had Chris Enriquez, the drummer on the show before. I was familiar with the band. I was familiar with him. But the new record, Alchemy of the Dead, unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was just incredible watching Spotlights level whatever room they were in night after night and win everybody over. So, My recommendation for this week is Spotlight's Alchemy of the Dead. Also, Jillian Carter, another band that was out on that run for two nights, I think. Great guys, great band. It's really chaotic, frenzied, uh, metallic hardcore. They have an excellent 2022 record, Salvation Through Misery. And they also just released a new single, Bastard of Light. Check it out. I'll add a song from each to the new scene, 2023 Spotify playlist. You can find that on Spotify. Search it out, follow it. I add all of our guests and recommendations to that playlist. Okay, so make sure you check back in with me in segment three. I'll do a full recap of the tour. I'll talk about the shows. I'll talk about everything that happened. It was really the best time I've had in like 20 years. We'll catch up. We'll talk about all of it. But right now, we are going to speak to Raygun Bush of Chatpile. Enjoy.
All right. We are here now with Raygun Bush. Raygun, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to have you here, Raygun. Do you go by that name all the time? <laughs> no, I don't. My name is Randy. You can call me Ray, though. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ray. You know, that I, I like the uh, more casual form there. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Ray, it's great to have you here. You know, Chad Pyle is doing a lot of great things now. We came out with an excellent record last year that's been getting a lot of attention. You just played Road Burn Fest, and I'm sure that was mind-blowing. And you know what, Ray? We're going to cover all of that. But first, I want to ask you, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Today, uh, Monday, so it's getting kind of hot. I'm in Oklahoma City. It's getting kind of hot outside. Well, it's my friend Sherman's birthday. Shout out to my friend Sherman. I'm going to go on a walk with him after dinner, I think. So <laughs> I'm doing all right. How about you? Are you doing all right? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. This is a weird time of year for me for many reasons, but I know that I'm going to hit a certain marker and then things are going to be even better. Hmm. Yeah. Very good. Do you have like a bad time of year? You know, it's just like, you know, it's not going to be a great time. No? All year. <laughs> <laughs> All year. Uh, um, so you're still in Oklahoma City. That's right. How do you like it? You know, it's it's home. I mean, I've, I've lived here since I was 19 and I've lived in Oklahoma most of my life. So, I mean, it's what it's it's an OK city. I mean, there's. In the whole metro, there's over a million people, so there's stuff here. So, so do you plan on staying there? You know, sometimes people are, are in bands, bands start to take off, we get big city eyes or want to move somewhere else. <laughs> what about you, Ray? You know, not really. I mean, <laughs> I'd love to just be able to afford a house here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, I'm not, unless... Unless stuff just goes to astronomical proportions, which I'm not counting on at all. Uh, no, I, I, I like, I like living here. I don't think anyone, Luther Manhole just bought a house. Stan and Ron both own houses. I don't think anyone plans on moving, you know, <laughs> so. <laughs> Plus, uh, the band's aesthetic is so tied up in uh, Oklahoma City and the vibe there, right? Like, imagine if Chad Pyle moved to L.A., and the songs became about like getting sushi or living in a high rise. I feel like that wouldn't work as well. <laughs> oh, we can get sushi here or live in a high rise here for that matter. But I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of horror happening on the streets of Los Angeles. You know, I mean, I know there is. What am I saying? Oh, yeah. Have you ever been to Skid Row? Yeah. I mean, I've I've been to Los Angeles before. I've been to lots of places. I mean, Vancouver, for instance, is one of the most egregious uh I don't know what, what I'm trying to say exactly here, but just uh, hum, human rights are questionable up there. Or maybe the way they treat people is like, it's pretty crazy. Hastings Street. Anyway, I don't know why I brought that up. Yeah, I mean, it's it. I uh, Oklahoma City obviously has really nice parts too, you know? So, I mean, I don't think if we moved to Los Angeles, we'd still be in America, you know? We'd still be living on Earth, I guess, even. Let me put it that way, so... The chat pile vibe is everywhere, but yeah, I mean, the planes is sort of central to what we're talking about, but I want more, I want there to be a California band that does what we do for California, because there's a lot of places in California that aren't Los Angeles, you know what I mean? So anyway. Yeah. I mean, that, that state is gigantic. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine a band from like Modesto. That would be some wild shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you grew up in Oklahoma. Yes. 
Yeah. Tell us about growing up in Oklahoma and your relationship with music. I mean, has music been something you've always been interested in? Yeah, I feel like Oklahoma is a pretty music positive state, (laughs) I guess. I mean, it seems like everyone's dad has an acoustic guitar, you know, I mean, at least, I don't know. I just feel like, like Woody Guthrie is from Oklahoma, you know, and people are really proud of that. Garth Brooks is from Oklahoma. A lot of flamey lips, you know, so people, music has always been a big part of my life. And I feel like it was always, I mean, I feel like music is kind of, especially in a place where you're bored a lot, you know, people are going to be into music and know about music and stuff like that anyway. You know what I mean? So, oh yeah, like, I think probably people in big cities take for granted what they have. And now, I mean, the internet has neutralized everything, you know. But back when we were buying CDs, I, I mean, you know, in the '90s or the '80s when I grew up. So, so growing up in Oklahoma, did you have an interest in playing music when you were young? How did you How did you start to get into that? Yeah, I've always been very interested in music. I mean, doing choir and stuff and church and school and then oh so you did church choir yeah i mean a little bit when you're a kid all kids sing and stuff not like church choir like service choir (laughs) it's like 40 year old (laughs) women basically up there at least in my church it's like, so you were in the church choir where you, where you weren't like in a touring choir or no, the, no, were no, you no. like the lead vocalist in the choir? No, that's what I'm saying is I was not in a, a serious choir at all. I mean, like as a child, I sang, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. But like, no. Okay. No, but but I was saying, uh, then I took, I got into orchestra and band and stuff like that. So, you know, yeah, I've been doing music since I was a kid. And what about the world of punk? And hardcore or whatever it is, whatever uh, sect of extreme music you're into, like, where did you come into it? What grabbed you? I mean, like a lot of kids my age, probably like, you know, hearing uh, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, that kind of stuff. I mean, Nirvana was like a big band for me and the Pumpkins were a big band for me. And Nirvana led directly to Sonic Youth for me, which is like one of my was like probably my favorite band when I was like a kid, I think I was like 13 when I kind of found all those, all that stuff, you know, kind of in rapid succession and uh, Sonic youth for sure. Just like, and then you get, you buy screaming fields of Sonic love, you know, that CD and the liner notes is all posters of bands they played with and stuff. So then you're like, Oh, what's decruits you know, like what's all this other shit. And, you know, you kind of get into it, but like, um, see kind of like, I kind of got into that stuff and then I had like no guide <laughs> about like music <laughs> and stuff, you know? And then I got into the Beatles and CCR and shit like that kind of Led Zeppelin kind of like simultaneously. Uh, but then I, I mean, I don't know if you've read this book before, but Our Band Could Be Your Life by Michael Azarad. I think that's what that guy's name is. That's just such a formative book for me and a lot of my friends where he covers, I don't know, 12 bands from the American underground. It's like 80 to 90 or something. And I just got super into uh, DC stuff, like anything that Kipichoto, Ian McKay are involved in at all, and Bad Brains, of course. And then LA stuff like 
Descendants. I was super, super into the Descendants and uh, the Minutemen too. I mean, D Boone is one of the greatest vocalists ever. Definitely an influence on me. Like a lot of what I've just mentioned is big influence on me. Oh, and of course, Dick Kennedy's San Francisco stuff too. NBC, Dick Kennedy's. I love all that shit too. So that's kind of what I was getting into and what I still like as as far as like hardcore and stuff goes. You know, but that was about seven, age 17. I was like learning about that stuff and learning about no effects and rancid at the same time. Again, I'm loving that stuff too. Yeah, it's like, that's a great big sample set there you're getting a little bit of everything which is good yeah i i mean i i try to be kind of open-minded about music you just like music in general but any like the punk punk stuff i i actually neglected to mention i also really got into the sex pistols around age 14 and then like super into the jam i mean the jam is one of my all-time favorite bands too so that's all punk too i guess so yeah, I you know, I just respect people who are as young as you were and get into everything like it sounds like you did. Because when I was 17, I was anything but open-minded <laughs> and I was very narrow-minded in what I was listening to. So, but you know, to just to be listening to everything you're listening to is great because, you know, as a musician later, the the bigger a subset of influence you have, I think the more it's going to serve you. What do you think? I... I would agree with that, you know, for sure. I I hardly ever listen to rock music anymore, honestly. <laughs> you know, but like yeah, I think it's it's great to be into all sorts of types of music. I think it's very classist to say something like I like everything but country or country and rap or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like Yeah, that's 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 boring. That's out. Absolutely. I mean I Maybe that was that's more my generation's misstep and not the the kids of today that's not even like a thing anymore to say that. Like but that was such like a common answer, like I like all kinds except, you know, it's like, okay. <laughs> so what you're what you're saying basically is I don't like minorities or people from the South. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in essence, I guess, or poor people you could say, like Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean I don't think necessarily hip-hop is just racially specific but like it's more just like what it represents like in country too you know typically in the past people like my parents age or people 10 years older than me would you know say that and that's that was code for what they meant absolutely (laughs) which isn't cool no like you know (laughs) i don't think you should write off an entire genre like that because it, it could be perceived or taken the wrong way and you know what now, as a 41-year-old, I well, I can appreciate any song as long as it's good. How about that? Yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So when did you start? Oh, wait. So you, you said you're discovering all this music. You don't have a guide. You didn't, you didn't have like a group of friends who's handing you stuff? Or what, did you dig in and find all this on your own? Well, yeah, to some, to some extent. And then, you know, you sort of make friends later but i mean i was definitely the most curious and i grew up in a small town called ponca city oklahoma not that there weren't kids around but i mean i didn't necessarily have like tons of friends you know and i I am first and foremost a movie guy so a lot of my friendships as a kid were built more around movies and stuff like that but uh and then like i had like my friends my best friend zach when i was 13 
we just didn't like, I mean, I'd show him stuff and he'd show me stuff, but I think he got a lot more from me than I got from him, you know, cause he'd be like, the Colt is pretty good you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't know, you know, or like seven Mary three is pretty good, you know, like, <laughs> and like just some stuff that I was like, ah, this isn't it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of got off track there, but yeah, I mean, in high school, I finally met some people like my friend Bree showed me bright eyes. I'm 38, by the way. So <laughs> I'm pretty close in age to you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And like, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I definitely met some people like when I was about 15, 16, where I started to like meet people that actually knew about music or cared about music that had cool things to show me versus whatever's on the cat or what, that's a radio station around here. But. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like that you okay, that sounds like my trajectory too. When I was sixteen, I discovered this underground world of hardcore and emo or whatever else you want to call it, all that stuff was going on. But you know what you just reminded me. Primarily my first interest was movies too. That that was movies, going to the movies, you know, my family renting movies or watching whatever was on HBO that week. I wanted to be a film director. That was the thing. That was it. Absolutely. Yeah. Same for me. Yeah. Absolutely the same. And, uh, you know, going through, I love YouTube now. And just the fact that the internet exists for this reason, I was just going through lists of movies from like 1987 until now. And just discovering all these bad old movies that I used to watch, like horror, sci-fi, all this stuff. It's, it's mind blowing. Like how much stuff, good stuff is out there. Absolutely. And like all the, practical effects of that era before computers just kind of changed everything it's like a wealth of it all ages like fine wine you know in my opinion like enemy mine yes a movie that like who cared about like when it came out it was like whatever enemy mine it's on tnt again i guess i'll watch it but now you watch it and it's like wow a spaceship looks awesome you know like all the awesome map paintings and stuff it's like sure don't make them like this anymore no and i i hate the fake looking cgi here's a good example okay they remade it the the stephen king classic oh god now yeah. <laughs> the first one was okay but i it okay. was okay i you know i got caught up in the hype and the second one was garbage the cgi looked fake it was full of nonstop stupid marvel humor and I left feeling really disappointed. So I went back and watched the original one, which has practical effects. And yeah, and okay, it was a made-for-TV movie, but it's one of the best made-for-TV movies ever. And the first half is really, really good. The second half could have been better, but I watched a documentary about it and realized it's because uh, they didn't have the same writer, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, my point is, Ray, that uh, older stuff with practical effects is where it's at. Like in true old guy fashion, I pretty much only go back and watch older stuff now. I'm not really checking out too much newer stuff because it, it's just lost on me. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I just saw this movie called Sisu. It was a piece of shit. Like I couldn't <laughs> believe. I mean, as soon as he started killing people and it was like digital blood, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, no. And the movie was bad anyway, so I was like, oh, so no no part of this is going to be good, huh? Digital Blood. <laughs> yeah, Digital Blood. Uh, I remember maybe the first movie that I was really conscious of uh, Digital Blood, and my mom, of all people, who's 75, she pointed it out. She was, was 300. She was like, 
all the blood looked like a video game is what my mom said. And I was like, it did. It did look like a video game. And yeah, uh, they got it. I, I insist that the people really get wet, you know, in the movie or I just don't, I can't, it's not for me, I guess. I want real squibs, real blood, that kind of stuff, you know, not real blood, real fake blood. Yeah, <laughs> real fake blood. I hope it circles back around. You know, maybe uh, they'll start losing money because people are fed up. Maybe not. I, it's got to come back around. Everything always does. Yeah, I, I think we're honestly on the precipice of like serious movies coming back <laughs> well like i just feel like i didn't love everything everywhere all at once but i feel like that movie was a triumph in production design and art direction and stuff like that and i i think bo is afraid is a true masterpiece personally <laughs> have you seen that movie no it's uh, ari aster's new movie but like i just feel like like care for a long time with marvel and stuff like that they're like literally shooting on green screens and stuff so like set design is just out the freaking window you know what i mean yeah it's just like that's so important yeah like francis for coppola fought for this desk to be he like he wanted this expensive desk and you can like barely see it in don carleone's office but it's like it's important for for the movie and like to create the atmosphere in my opinion i'm getting way off track i'm not trying to run your interview here forgive me no 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 <laughs> this is good stuff this is going to tie into some other stuff i want to talk about so it's fine okay um the last new i'll just i'll just say this and then i'll move on last new movie i watched was once upon a time in hollywood mm. and it was just very refreshing to see a movie with real people and real dialogue and practical effects and it all came together very nicely so I need more of that. I agree. I, I thought that was a terrific movie. And that has a little CG, but it just augments, you know. I mean, it just it just allows them to set the movie then and, like, have these big shots where they pull out and stuff. It's not like something you notice, you know, because it's not like a, a man flying through the sky. It's just him removing things digitally or adding things. You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, you know what? In in Quentin Tarantino fashion, I'm going to jump ahead, right, in the story of you, and then I'm going to come back to another scene, an older scene later on. So, Chad Pyle, your band, did a soundtrack for the film Ten Killer, yes? Yes. Let's talk about that. What kind of movie is it? Ten Killer is a drama. It's made by these people, the Chotes, Kara and Jeremy Chote, and... Uh, it's a drama about, it's kind of a fam, a domestic drama, I guess you'd, you'd call it, you know, with like a little bit of crime. I wouldn't call it like a crime drama necessarily, but there's some of that in there. Ultimately, like my character gets shot, spoiler alert. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so there's like a little bit of gunplay, but it's ultimately, it's more just kind of like a slow burn. It, it honestly kind of feels like a throwback to, the kind of stuff that would be, you know, um, playing at Sundance in like the mid to late nineties, just kind of like a rule drama about brothers. It's, it's, you know, so that's what it's about. I like the sound of that. How, uh, how does it work with the soundtrack? Do you write everything ahead of time or do you see the movie and then you write music based around the scenes? How does it work? Well, I think we saw a cut of it, but we, I kind of was just like, 
let's do this tangerine dream style a little bit which what they that you know tangerine dream the they scored a lot of movies in the 80s and shit but um they would just submit music and they're like use it however you want you know Uh and so we did that in a way i mean we kind of recorded just slabs of music and we ultimately i was thinking my idea to do this uh was we should have like kind of a theme and then we do versions of the theme so we kind of had this one song ten killer and we've deconstructed it a billion different times in different ways uh to like run throughout the the score and then we had you know a couple different other themes and stuff like that and uh they requested a country song too but we really i we just recorded that stuff then i watched the cut i like gave them a lot of notes on like how i thought it should be edited and they like listened to like a lot of what i said honestly and uh and then i was just like okay watching it with the music in mind i was like this goes this should go here this should go here this should go here but i mean it was ultimately like i mean jeremy is the one that jeremy chote's the one that edited the movie and he also they bought the rights to our first eps those songs so those are in the movie and stuff too and so, I mean, he took my suggestion up to a point and then kind of did what he wanted because it's his movie. But yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much how we did it. So you'd actually be sitting there while he's editing and giving uh, suggestions, which would be taken, it sounds like. Uh, well, I would. it's more like I, I engaged in a, a few two-hour phone calls with him and his wife talking ah, okay. in, in detail about my thoughts on on that on that shit and stuff like that but like that's that's all i really did yeah so it must be a dream come true for you to be scoring a film right because you said movies were your first interest that's true yeah i i pretty much insisted that we do it i mean everybody was on board but i was really gung-ho about doing this these are just some people that live in edmond oklahoma which is a suburb here and they decided that they wanted to make a movie and they read about us in a local uh it's called the Oklahoma Gazette. It's a local free paper. And it contacted us. And then ultimately, I'm in the movie. And I've been in their last movie. And I'm talking to them right now about being in their third movie. So wow. uh, it's fun. I love acting. I hope I hope I get to do more of that. I'm definitely going to say yes to all serious jobs that come my way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Was 10 Killer the first thing you acted in? Um. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I was in drama and stuff in high school and stuff like that. And I made a couple short films myself. But yeah. Ah. I mean, so you have experience. A little bit, you know. I've read, you've said about acting that it's easy. Do you think it's easy? I do think it's easy, you know. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just, like even the, even like heavier, have you done like heavier dramatic stuff? Well, I've never like cried in a movie, <laughs> you know, but like, I mean, I just don't, I think it's a lot of fun and I think compared to like manual labor, it's super easy. Yeah. I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, physically it's easy, but emotionally it can be difficult. Uh, I, uh, I, I have a little bit of acting experience. I, I took a class for a year and we put on a, a sizable production that I had the lead in and I would have to make myself cry on command. So I figured out how to do that. But yeah, I guess in the grand scheme of things, it is pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. For what I'm doing, at least, I think it's pretty 
it's pretty fun and easy and it's not i mean in chat pile and stuff i'm playing i'm getting into character and doing crazy i mean it's all pretend and stuff i mean that shit is just easy for me to do yeah it sounds like you have the background i mean uh engaged in film at a young age part of the drama club right yep so uh, when does chat pile get started how old are you when chat pile gets started oh chat pile got started in 2019 so i would have been uh 36 i guess no 35 35 Okay. So what did, now what are you doing leading up to that? Were you in other bands? I mean, what what leads up to Chatpile? Yeah. Um I've been I've been playing music and stuff around Oklahoma City since I I've been here basically. At least at least maybe a year after I got here I started playing uh I had I had a band called Little Bear for a really long time around here and then it went through some iterations where it had different names and stuff. And for a while the studio that Chapal records in now was a studio. I mean, it's still called, it still is Dust House Studio, I guess, but we used to, I mean, Atley and Austin, and I mean, I, I was pretty involved, would like record a bunch of local bands. That's all available at dusthousestudio.bandcamp to those who are interested. But I've been playing music for almost 20 years at the point when Chapile starts, and I was still making music by myself at this point, you know? Uh, but Austin had kind of almost decided to quit forever, <laughs> which is crazy <laughs> to think about now, you know, but, uh, we were all just like, man, let's just do a band for fun. Cause we we're all kind of true believers, you know, like we've all been doing music forever for no, like just for our, for ourselves, you know, like only our friends come, et cetera. So all that time you're doing music in Oklahoma city, like what's, is that all you're doing? Like, uh, you said you were working at the studio too. Are you helping record bands? Do you record bands as well? Uh, I mean, I would be, I wouldn't really be the one recording, but I'd be there a lot, you know, and be like, I'd bring bands in or suggest bands and stuff like that. But, uh, like, what's your goal in life the whole time? Do you ju- do you just play music? Is that all you want to do? Do you do you have other aspirations? Like, what uh, what's your life like leading up to uh? 2019 when chat pile starts well at that point i had gone back to school um i had just finished well i was finishing maybe at that time and i was gonna i was just getting my english degree and i was gonna teach that's what i was gonna do and i might still end up doing that who knows you know (laughs) maybe later down the line yeah yeah i mean that's i have i have the degree now so oh good (laughs) you know i finished school and that's what I did. But I mean, I just, you know, it's all I've ever wanted to do is create art and talk, talk about talking about movies. is like something I'm also seriously like, how do I, how do I make money off this? It's where I'm thinking right now, you know, it's like, what about a movie podcast? Well, you could start doing that, right? Uh, we, I am doing that. Actually, I, I had a movie podcast before and uh, we have a new one coming out with me and Luther Manhole from Chatpile. And Brian Manning from Bostonage. It's a Flenser deal, but it is about movies. It's, it's, I don't know. <laughs> It'll be out some, at some point, but, uh, advanced notice, everybody. Keep an <laughs> eye out for that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So 2019 chat pile starts, right? Tell us how, like we get together. 
what uh what are our influences what do we want to accomplish you know what's the vibe we like these are friends of yours you've probably some of which you've been playing with or have played with before right yeah that's right i i've known stan and captain ron they're brothers i've known them for a really long time luther manhole uh i known him for maybe a year or two before chat pile started and he's a really cool guy i've known his cousin for a really long time um and the seed of it though is really like me and stan we've been friends for almost 20 years and we we're really into like not i mean into the music but more than the music like the perspective that like steve albini was writing from in like big black like atomizer like that kind of stuff and then like uh scratch acid i'm not people compare to the jesus lizard a lot i've never even like really listened to the jesus lizard but i had the greatest gift by scratch acid so I do. I am very familiar with that. And so we, we've, we dubbed it at the time American nightmare music. And we've always talked about doing like an American nightmare type band like that. Like, you know, uh, so that's something we've been talking about for a good long while before Chapel actually happened. And then once Chapel happened, it was a little while before I realized I was like, Oh, Hey, this is that band we were talking about. You know, like 10 years ago, I've had it in my mind this whole time. It's like, we kind of, we actually kind of did that band. So that's fun. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, I like the, I like the whole aesthetic because it really comes across in the band and, uh, and the album imagery and everything like the dreary Midwestern, you know, I imagine like, uh, horror movies or other movies from the eighties and nineties, like dreary Midwest setting, mm -hmm. uh, asshole parents, uh, you can't go to them for help. You have like one friend. It's fall. Uh, it's miserable outside. There's some insurmountable thing to go up ag against. Like this is everything that comes to mind when I hear the band and when I see the record covers. And I like it. Ah, I like I like that assessment. That's that's pretty good. So we have the band together. Tell us about the beginning of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, we just... We get together, we start playing, right? Yeah. I mean, they had been playing, and they... I think Luther Manhole was maybe going to sing or something. They just didn't know what to do about singing. And I mean, like I said, I'm friends with those guys. I was over... We always... We were hanging out and stuff. And they were like, we're starting a new band. Do you want to be the singer? And I was like, hell yeah, I do. Because I've always wanted to just be... Like, in previously, I'm playing guitar. And like all the other bands I've ever done, I'm playing guitar and singing at the same time. And I've always wanted the freedom watching like these hardcore bands come through. We used to have this, I mean, hardcore is like king here. So I've seen a lot of hardcore in my day in Oklahoma City <laughs> and like watching these guys just singing. It's like walking around and stuff. I'm like, man, I want to do that. I don't want to carry an amp in here. So this is my opportunity. <laughs> I jumped at it you know and uh it's been fun you know to do that and but anyway so they they kind of i mean what they're we're all just kind of bringing what we like musically to the table so i mean there's like yes there is like austin stan excuse me <laughs> is like huge into jesus lizard but he also loves corn and stuff like that and luther manhole has i mean i don't even know he he would name off like 
a billion of the most obscure metal bands you've ever heard of. Maybe not to you, but to me. I don't listen to metal like at all, really. So yeah, me either. Gorguts is a name that he says a lot. I, forgive me, Luther Manhole, <laughs> if that's not your primary <laughs> influence, but <laughs> like those those bands, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. likes stuff like that, you know, like or like Exodus or something, Exhumed. I don't know well, metal bands. Yeah, I don't yeah. know them. Stan and Luther Manhole are both the metal guys and they can talk about metal together forever. And then, uh, I know captain Ron in terms of like heavy music, he's a big nine Chanel's fan and also a big tool fan. So they're just kind of like mixing all that together. But I'm, I'm personally like we were talking about like punk and stuff. That's kind of more what I want to do. Like HR and bad brains, deep Boone, man, men, that kind of thing is what I want to do vocally. So we all just kind of agreed that it would be okay to let everybody have fun and do just make something that we all like. And so that's what chat pile is. And we recorded the first two EPs pretty fast together. I mean, because I mean, the more that there's eyes on us and stuff, (laughs) the more people, I mean, we, not people, uh, we are like trying to, take our time and make everything perfect and stuff for better or worse, you know? So, but the first two, I mean, like I've been talking about, we've been playing music forever and nobody cared. So it was just kind of like, let's do something that's straight up, just what we want to do, what we like. And so that's, you know, that's the beginning of chat pile to now. How was the reception at first? Cause you say hardcore is King out there in oklahoma city when you were playing (laughs) gigs i mean was it because you you sound different from but in a good way from all that stuff yeah i mean not super warm to be honest with you (laughs) uh despite that we've all people know us and stuff but yeah i mean as people people know us you know around here yeah but uh yeah i mean not super warm things are a little bit different now and we're trying to i mean i'd like to fucking Excuse me. Are you allowed to curse on this podcast? Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> I've been cursing. I apologize. <laughs> uh, I'd love to include, do a show with like all these like hardcore bands that kids have around here and stuff. And I, it's been hard for me lately just because of personal circumstance to get out to all the shows and stuff. But I want that to change and be more a part of that community again. I'm not trying to. I don't want anyone in OKC to hear me say, oh, the reception wasn't warm. It wasn't. That's the truth of the matter. But I don't have any hard feelings about it is all I'm saying, you know, at this point. But, yeah, I mean, it's just not to find noise rock country is, you know, down in Texas, Chicago, and then Kansas City, apparently. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I feel like Philly has a good scene for that, too. Mm, yeah, if we were we played a terrific show at underground arts in Philly. Yes. Uh, I met yes. the fellows from soul glow. So beautiful night. Very fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm from there originally. So I, I have much love for that city. Very cool. No, you know what? With any new band, I feel like the reception is cold unless you're like really established guys who people want something from. But when you, you when you take a unique sounding band like yours and drop it into the world of hardcore, which is not the most open-minded, I can see how, it could be difficult. Absolutely. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of that it's open. Yeah. Not the most open minded is a really nice way to put it for sure about yeah. the way some of that stuff is. 
Yeah. But, you know, people can change hearts and minds, <laughs> whatever. So, who knows? Well, the the good thing is, and I've heard you say this in interviews, like, the you know, in terms of recording, how technology has just leveled the playing field. Like, we can do everything ourselves now, and we can get our stuff out there into the world and find our people and accomplish things without having to rely on the people directly next to us or some record company or any of that. Like with this pod, part of the reason I started this podcast is because I had my personal Instagram account with like, I don't know, a couple hundred followers, right? And I'd be posting what I thought were amazing clips of the best bands ever. And it would get like one like, two likes. And I, I was like, where the where are my people? Like, where are they? And that slowly became this podcast where I have found my people. So <laughs> very cool. I'm I'm sure you could do the same thing with the band, yes? Yes. I mean, that's absolutely I mean, Luther Manhole is uh I don't know if he's currently active. He probably is. An RYM user, do you know what that is? Right rate, rate your music. It's a it's a thing for super nerds, for music super nerds to go on and rate music and talk about talk about music and stuff but anyway we kind of got a little steam through there through that website and just because you it's like that's international i assume i think it is and so people see that and then eventually uh what's his name anthony fantano he 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 shouted us out and that was very helpful too but yes the internet is extremely helpful in getting people (laughs) interested especially since we we're going to end up touring, but we had no plans touring for like a long time. And we didn't really tour at all. You know, we did like a, a really small little tour last summer and the lingua ignota thing. But yeah. So you get some steam on Rate Your Music. How does that translate into good things for your band? It just means people are talking about it. That's all I mean by it. I mean, it's just, it's just people see it and people start talking about it. I, I was just using that as. There's other websites. I'm using that as just an example of how the internet is useful for yeah, finding your people and stuff like that. But honestly, until Chatpile, I had no success in music. So I don't I have no answer to like why we're popular right now. <laughs> well, it's gotta be in part because of God's country, right? Sure. Yeah. But why is that why do people like that album versus other stuff? I mean I mean, I don't know. I think it's good, but I think all my music has been good and you know what I mean? So, (laughs) yeah, you know what? I feel that because uh, like you, I've been performing in bands since I'm 24 years old. I'm 41 now. Mm -hmm. Nothing has ever gotten any kind of attention, but I feel a lot of the music is really good. I think, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I just never was signed to a label. I never did full tours by myself in a band I was in. Uh, it, it just wasn't the time, I guess. What about you? Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I played music locally for a long time. I thought I was just going to do that locally or maybe not even play, just record albums at home, you know, until chat pile. And then it, all of a sudden it was like, oh, we're going to go play Denton, I think was the first. I was like, oh, wow, I've never played even outside of the Metro, except for Stillwater, which is not too far away from the Metro. Uh, and and then, you know, beyond there now, I've been to Amsterdam, or Tilburg is where we played, but we were in Amsterdam too, which is pretty That's crazy wild. to think about. Yeah, 
and we're going to Denmark in a month. Pretty crazy. Wow. Like uh, the whole time, you know, leading up to Chad Pile, did you think like, oh, man, I want to be out on tour or I want to be on a label or I want to be doing more? Like where, where was what was your mindset? Um, I mean, I just I've always wanted to be able to do this kind of thing and survive, I guess. Being yeah. on tour isn't my chief desire, although I don't mind being on tour, but that's never, I'm more like creating stuff, you know, and I do really like performing too. So, and it's, it's of course gratifying to, to perform and have everybody like love it and stuff. I mean, it's, it's very, it's not lost on me that I'm lucky. I'm in a weird position right now. So, yeah. That's where it's at. I, I'm, I'm going to do what you're doing, Ray. Like, uh, I want to, I love creating and I love performing. I don't think I would necessarily love touring. So I'm just going to have something get popular enough where I can just jump and play big festivals like you're doing. <laughs> I'm just going to do that. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I would have been fine being a teacher <laughs> and recording <laughs> weird albums at my house. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I just, I just want, to make art because I am an artist, you know, that's, that's what I always, I want to do. And so my career, that's always just what I've been thinking about. And I don't, I just didn't really care if I was rich or poor or whatever, you know, I mean, it's good, but it, it at the same time being poor is, or being living in poverty, I should say more correct is, is very rough <laughs> and I have done it for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, but it's at the same time, I don't know. I'd rather I'm, this is my life, I guess people, as long I just want to create stuff. I have been creating stuff this whole time. And it's really, it's grat It's very gratifying that people care now, but if, even if they didn't, we would still God's country would still exist. Even if nobody was listening to it, you know what I mean? So, yeah. No, I feel you on that. Uh, the times I'm happiest, there the times I was happiest in my life previously was when I was creating things, and uh, there was times where I wasn't, and I was just going to work, and those are really miserable. But my life now, for the past, I don't know, five years, I've been consistently creating things, and it's the happiest I've been. So I feel you. Like I just, I just need to be making something, doing something, and putting it out there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's. <laughs> it's what my life force basically <laughs> so yeah so uh you know the band has the first two eps we signed with the flinzer yes we signed with the flinzer that name is from moby dick which i i have an english degree and i never read moby dick so but <laughs> that's a <laughs> that's like a some kind of whaling like oh you're on the whaling team you're the flinzer does something removes flesh or something like that anyway i gotta read moby dick but uh yeah, we signed to the Flenser, and uh, I I didn't know anything about it, but Grit or Luther Manhole and uh, Stan were both, they both knew about bands on there. And then I listened to some of the bands. I was like, holy shit, let's sign to this label. And we did, and it's been fun. And they're all friends now. We're friends with those guys. So, Oh, nice. I've loved that name because I've never heard a record label name like that before. Yeah, it's pretty... It's pretty unique for sure. And they got a little weird guy, the little 
little symbol. I don't know what that what the origin of that is. I think it, it maybe is just fun medieval art that Jonathan found the the guy who runs the label. But I don't know. So when do you record God's Country? I mean, are you we in the midst of COVID? Is there any delays because of that? Yeah, we were. We did the score to Ten Killer, and then immediately started working on God's Country right after that. Um, and we were wearing masks for a while, and then the shots came out. Uh, the the um, the boosters or with the immunity, you know, well, Pfizer. You know, what I'm talking about the shots came out. <laughs> yeah, and so we were we all got vaccinated. And uh, then we didn't have to do masks. So when was that? Let's see. It's 2023 now. The record came out last year. So we recorded it in 2021. Yeah, tw- like uh, mid to late 2021 is when things really started opening back up. Yeah. And so that was a great year for me personally. I had a good time that year recording that. Seven fun. I don't know. So 2021. Basically, from the end of winter into the middle of summer, and I did my vocals like they did all their parts, and then I did the vocals over the recorded, the full re-recorded tracks, and that's how we did it. So the album comes out in July of 2022. Yes. So is the is you know we know now that the reception has been really good. A lot of people are saying great things about it. We're playing some incredible gigs. So. Talk about that when it comes out. Do you see immediate interest? Do you see good things happening for the band? Yeah, uh, we had a ton of positive press uh, for that for the record, which is very um, crazy, not expected, humbling. And yeah, people were really into it. It took a long time for like true haters to show up online and stuff, <laughs> which I think is kind of crazy. I was surprised because. I mean, of course, people come after me mainly, and I mean, of course they would, you know, but it took a while for that kind of stuff to happen, which is cool, you know. What are they critical of? Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't. We don't need to give those people any a platform. I don't need to talk about that crap, but I mean, you know, my voice, of course. <laughs> but yeah, so. Well, you know what? The people who make those criticisms are usually people who aren't actually doing anything. Oh, of course. You never hear criticisms like that from peers or p- people doing the same thing. So oh, yeah, it's, pr- it's yeah. easy to dismiss them. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't. I don't let that that kind of stuff control my life. I just mean like it. Just it was like it was kind of too positive for a little while. Like it was like <laughs> all right, everybody you know, calm down about, about it. But I mean, I really, I do appreciate it a lot, you know, obviously. Does it get uncomfortable for you if there's too much praise? Oh yeah. I mean, (laughs) I, yeah, I'm not used to it, to any of this stuff. So it gets overwhelming for sure, but I do very much appreciate it. I don't want to be ungrateful about it or not recognize that I'm lucky to be in the position I'm in. I had to uh, just train myself to say thank you and move on and not freak out when people say nice things about me. And I, I've managed to to get it down pretty well by now. That's actually, that's pretty much what I do too. Thank you, exclamation point, or I heart their message or whatever. Ex- yes, like, yeah, exactly. Appreciated, yeah. but but I mean, some people are smart and they know how to get me to engage with them. They talk about, they'll bring up like movies or something on my Instagram. And I'll actually talk to them for like a while, maybe more than they want or expected at least. But yeah. 
Do uh do people? I'm I'm curious now. I'm sure you get uh, a lot of people with show offers and all this kinds of stuff. You know, there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. Do people just message you and come right out and say like, "Hey, help me with this"? Right? That's the wrong way to do it. The first thing they got to do is say, "Hey, I love the band." Hey, I saw you mentioned this movie, uh, right? Like, do you see these kinds of messages? Absolutely. Yeah. You're totally, you're right. Cause like sometimes people will come to you with stuff that's like, what? <laughs> this seems like too good to be true. Or it's like, you are asking way too much of me. And yes, uh, you're, you're dead on my friend, Matt King from portrayal of guilt. His Instagram name is don't ask me for shit, which I think is, very brilliant, very brilliant <laughs> username to have. I like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, like when uh, Instagram uh, uh, introduced those away message things, mm-hmm. I made mine just say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the people barely even use those now. That was so like, what is this? AIM, it lasted you know? like a week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. ICQ. Yeah. So uh, when do you get the offer to play Roadburn Fest? That's exciting. Yeah, we got the offer to do that. I don't know. It's all, it's so hard to keep track of like what is going on sometimes. It was like, it was like a while back because there was a whole deal about everybody getting their passports and stuff. So I think Roadburn, we must have got offered it in like last year, October, maybe somewhere around there or September even. Did you think the offer was bullshit when it came in or did it look legit? No, I mean, because of the record and everything, I mean, I I had no reason to believe it, it didn't come to me either. You know, it comes to oh, like did you the, guys have management and stuff that handles the band. That? Well, uh, Stan is sort of the de facto manager of the band right now and stuff, and he handles like we have we definitely have chatpile band at gmail We have like the the band has its own email, etc. So the road burn offer didn't come like to me personally you know it was more presented to me by stan who got the email and i mean but but we i mean i think jonathan probably was like telling he tells us stuff sometimes too and a lot of flinzer bands play roadburn so we we weren't surprised by the invitation but we were honored to to get it of course you know yeah absolutely that was the band's first time performing in europe too right yeah that's right. I mean, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, it was very exciting. It was very, very fun. That festival is absolutely incredible. Uh, if you can go, you should. If you can play it, definitely do. Of course. Uh, yeah. I've seen the footage going around of you guys covering Bulls on Parade, which is great stuff. Uh, how Now, I mean, besides the song just being an absolute classic and awesome, how did you land on that? Well, we all have a few bands that we all agree on there's not like many bands that we all like but nirvana sonic youth and rage against machine are like the three bands we all really agree on rock bands i guess and uh so i don't know we just we just wanted to do it it's a fun song to play it's it's probably the least fun for me because i have to rap and stuff and (laughs) i just don't i mean it's like Keeping the lyrics in my head is is harder than you'd think, even though it's kind of short. And I, I mean, I had that CD when I was twelve. So it's not like I don't, I don't love it, but I just don't always. I mean, 
I know it's like weird that I'll write the lyrics and stuff, but like, I don't always pay attention to lyrics and songs, you know, <laughs> or yeah. high detail. I don't know. So anyway, yeah. I mean, the songs, it's fun to play. We all, we all just, we had fun doing it. We're probably, I don't know. They, I said, that's the last time we're doing that at the show, but I think everybody, all the rest of the band wants to play it again. So we're probably going to play it again. God help me. But yeah. That's the only song I know all of the lyrics to. Oh, you should step on stage and sing for us in that moment uh, then. I will. Uh, <laughs> when you come through New York City, let me know. I'll, I'll take care of it for you. It's fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I just think it's funny. That's the Somehow that's the only song I know all the lyrics to, and it's not like that easy. Yeah. And I don't think Zach, honestly, dissecting it and really listening to it a lot, he doesn't sound super confident on his final line of each of his stanzas of his verses like he doesn't even rhyme at the end of those it's like come on man so then i'm trying to do it and it sounds you know i'm not his voice is so unique and cool and my voice is just a lot different than his but it's fun to do i had fun doing it uh you also covered sepultura roots bloody roots i just want to mention that because it's such a good cover and listen if you're out there and you haven't heard it check it out what do you think yeah <laughs> do you do you agree that it's good, Ray? Our cover roots, bloody roots. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I we did that for uh, ages ago. At this point, for uh, the new metal tribute, new metal and new metal adjacent things tribute that the Flunzer put out, which uh, Midwife did a great version of "Send the Pain Below" by Chevelle on that. <laughs> I really liked. Oh, Chevelle. I used, you know what? I liked their first two records a lot when they came out, but I, I haven't listened to them in a long time. Uh, me either. I get, are they considered new metal? I, f- I figured they were more. Well, well, that's why I said new metal and new metal adjacent. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> I, I thought they were more of like just like a straight kind of alternative rock band. Yeah, they're more. They're in that era, though, where everything's getting kind of confusing. Creed's out, Nickelback is out incubus is becoming like uh i don't know you know what i mean (laughs) that was a horrible time for music in my opinion in the mainstream at least yeah i mean getting into like 2000 i don't know four five six it was getting pretty ugly so let's talk about what we've got coming up what can we announce what can we talk about give it to us ray what can we expect from chat pile well Chat Pile is currently demoing our next album, so hopefully that'll be out next year, hopefully early next year. Uh, And like I previously mentioned earlier, I'll go ahead and say what the title is. Me and Luther Manhole and Brian Manning from Bostonage are going to do a podcast that's coming out. We're editing it right now. We recorded it like months ago. We're just kind of, we've been all been busy and stuff. But the premise of the podcast is called Across the Puniverse, and uh, it's all about the films of Albert Pune, um, the guy who directed Nemesis, Cyborg, Alien from L.A., Brain Smasher, Love Story, amongst many others. Uh, we wanted to talk about film, auteur theory, uh, celebrating things that are not typically celebrated or seen as low, low art. We wanted to elevate it, prop it up, I guess. But also the other twist is we wanted to get 
the most high profile <laughs> musicians that we could get and have them come on and not talk about music at all. So we've got George from Deaf Heaven coming. We got Carson from Callous Cowboys. And then we got all these Flinzer people, Tom from Planning for Burial, Alice from Elizabeth Colorwheel, uh, just to name a few amongst others who are guests on this this podcast. So I'm, I'm extremely proud of it. It'll be coming out soon. I don't know when this is coming out, but it'll be coming out probably within the next month or so. This is May right now. So Yeah, this, uh, this episode will probably be coming out right around the time your podcast is coming out. So good timing. Very cool. And they, no, that sounds like a great concept. And we've got the film angle, which is great. And we've got the big names in. We've got the big names in music there to bring the people in, right? And uh, I think it will be interesting that they're not just talking about music, that they're they're talking about the films with you. <laughs> I hope I hope it will be interesting. It's very niche. We're just it, it's something that we we're talking about on the Flinzer Discord. Uh, there's just like uh, a movie channel on there that we were just talking. Like we always, I'm always on there. Luther Manuel's always on there. Brian's on there a lot too. And we were just talking about movies, Albert Pune. And we came up with the whole idea like there on the Flinzer Discord. So, and it's just a joke that has snowballed into a thing that really exists and that we're all, we all had a lot of fun with. How long is the uh, first podcast up? Or how long is a typical episode? Uh, about an hour long. Who's editing it? Brian is. Do you talk to him about the editing at all? Does it take him a really long time? Because that's the thing I dislike the most about podcasts is the editing just takes forever. Yeah, no, I I believe you. And he, we, we were trying to get Luther Manhole to do it, and he got he bought a house with his fiance, and so he's painting. Right, he's extremely busy with all this stuff. Like that, they, they bought the house right before we went to Netherlands, and basically he got back, and it's just start to work on the house time. Yeah, he's gone. Forget about it. <laughs> so and i'm not like the most tech savvy person although i may step in to help brian in the future we're gonna see what happens we got a quote from some guy and it was just much too high for the free we were looking for you know so yeah uh, <laughs> how much did he quote you i was like it was like 250 or something per, per episode. episode it was something crazy we were like what Whew. i was like thinking maybe 50 per ep or something like that but anyway we're getting we're really showing how the sausage is made right now but yeah i think brian is doing at least he's done the first two episodes for us so we'll see what happens i still mostly edit my own show because i'm a control freak and i just want it to be a certain way yeah no i i understand that completely i'm sure when chad pile is recording and mixing and editing and all that stuff i mean are you deep in the trenches involved with the process yeah i I try to be easy with chat pile because it's all about chat pile is all about friends. <laughs> I know that we were like a really dark, crazy band and stuff, but it's all about us being friends and having a good time. And it's all, it's very amazing to us that we're like, this is happening to us. Like as we enter middle age and stuff. And so it's all, it's more about being friends. I don't want to, unless there's something I'm just like, I don't like this, which that'll happen. Where I'm like, and they'll be like, well, I liked what you did there. It's like, well, I don't like it. I want to take it off. I want to do something different. That happens sometimes. But I mean, I'm not nitpicking about, unless there's some egregious thing, but there's not ever some egregious thing because Austin, or Stan, 
<laughs> Stan, his his stage name is so close to his real name, <laughs> which is not like a secret. It's just for fun. But you know what I mean? He's a, he's great at, he's getting, I mean, he's been doing a good job, but he's been getting better and better in the studio mixing and stuff. So I just trust him. I'm not too worried about it. We We want the same thing. We've talked at length about what we want and how we've been burned by other people in the past. And he wants the same things I want. So I don't, I don't nitpick with him about the mix and stuff like that. I'll offer suggestions which are heard because we, he believes the, the same thing I do, which is just like, this is, you know, we're all friends and that's, what's most important about, about the way we operate is that we just all stay friends. That's good. I think being in a band approaching 40, it's going to be a lot easier to, work together and communicate and everything than if, uh, you know, this thing started blowing up when you were 20. Yeah. I mean, I would have mishandled the hell out of this if I was 20. I was a disaster up until age 35. So forget about 20. For me too, pretty much. I maybe (laughs) am still a disaster. Who knows? You know? Yeah. I'm just a disaster in different ways now, but you know what? (laughs) It's fine. Yeah. I've heard you say in more than one interview, the band is trying to capture the anxiety and fear of the world falling apart. Do you feel like the world is falling apart? Yeah, I do. (laughs) I do too. I feel like we've got some hard truths coming towards us as as far as uh, the ecology is concerned. (laughs) You know, nature is uh, climate change and everything. It's just uh, some, some real heavy days coming for everybody, I think unfortunately. I feel like that too. Ecology, economy, it, it just feels like a lot of bad things are happening. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm just hoping like we pull the lens back 20, 30 years from now and, and it was just a really bad period and maybe we get to some better times. I don't know, but do you feel like there's any hope? Um, I mean, sure. I mean, it's good to be opt. You know, it's like when you're not going to be on time, but you you might be and you're racing to get there. It's better to just be optimistic, I guess, than to be like, I don't, I'm not a nihilist. And I would never be like, well, fuck it. I'll just do what I want then. You know what I mean? I always am going to be the kind of person that's like trying to make things better, even if I can't or it's impossible. That's what seems more noble to me, I guess, than being selfish, especially in those times. I like that. Yeah, and I've heard you say that, that the band's message can be confused as nihilism, like nothing matters, but that that's not it. Like the band addresses things and, and there is specific things you care about. Yeah, no, the, it's more like everything matters, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, because, you know, like uh, in terms of politics, like I refuse to take part in two-party politics and I feel they're divisive and all that stuff and beliefs my beliefs can be confused as nihilism. Like, oh, you don't matter. You don't think in it. No, I think everything matters. It's just, uh, I got to do things the way I want to do them. And it sounds like that's the case for you too. Yeah, pretty much. Well, Ray, this was awesome. So, you know, first, I just want to say thanks for what you and the guys do. I'm really digging chat pile and I'm excited to hear more. And thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Absolutely. No problem. Thanks for having me. And I appreciate it.
And there you have it. Raygun Bush. Great conversation. And a great band. I'm really digging Chadpile lately. God's Country. That's the record. If you haven't heard it yet, check it out. And Raygun is a really interesting dude. He's doing a lot of cool stuff. The film soundtrack, acting, the band. He's doing everything. Everything. And they're just a really interesting band, you know? They don't sound quite like everybody else. It's like Rollins Band era Henry Rollins singing for Disembodied or something like that. It's just it's just good stuff. I'm digging it. So thank you so much, Raygun, for coming on the show. So let's check in, huh? How are we doing? How are we doing? Now, I've had a big week. I am home from the Darling Fire tour with Spotlights. We did five dates. And I got to tell you, this is the most fun I've had in probably 20 years since the last tour I went on, which was This Day Forward, touring in response, Thursday, touring War All the Time, and Every Time I Die, touring Hot Damn. That was back in, I don't know, fall of 2003. I can't remember exactly. Summer? I don't know. But that was the last tour I went on that lasted any significant amount of time. And this run with The Darling Fire is the longest run I've been on since then. And it was a great time. So let's get into it. Okay. So the new drummer of the band, John Lane, and myself were the new rhythm section for The Darling Fire. We both live in Brooklyn. So we fly down to West Palm Beach and Mike, the guitar player, picks us up. And there's a day of just sitting around, getting ready to do this thing right. The next day, we drive down to Miami, all of us, and we get a rehearsal space, and we practice for the show. So this adds a layer of intensity for this whole thing, right? Because we don't all live in the same town. It's not like we practice every single week. We learn everything on our own time. And when we come together, we just got to be ready. We got to do it. And we did. We played through the set. Sounded great. We were ready. So first show, Miami. I've never been to Miami before, and it lived up to all the hype. Imagine Bushwick, Brooklyn, but instead of dive bars, it's all nightclubs, and they're on every corner, and everybody is dressed to the nines, and there's Ferraris rolling down the street, and there's people in bathrooms just openly trading and doing coke. It was great. Nightclubs everywhere, music, sidewalks full of people. Uh, it was impossible to get out of there at the end of the night, but uh, we did eventually. And the show, is, uh, now, before the show itself, I was extremely, extremely, extremely nervous. I hadn't played a live gig since, I think, 2016. I've I've kept up with music. I've been in bands. I still play, but I haven't actually played a live gig in seven years. So nerves were high, right? And remember last week, I jinxed myself. Remember last week when I said, as long as I walk on stage and plug everything in and it works, I'll be ready. Remember when I said that? Well, we were direct support the first night in Miami. I sound checked. Everything was ready. Everything was great. I get up on stage, plug in everything, plug in my bass head. Doesn't work. It's not working. It had something to do with the setup at the club. I don't know what it was exactly, but I was in a panic. So I ran and asked Sarah from Spotlights, if I could use her bass head, which she kindly allowed me to use, got set up, but it took so long to set up, we had to cut a song from the set. So we played a five-song set that night, but it was, it was good. It was good. I got it done. 
without any major disasters. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I was just really happy to get that first show out of the way. Uh, second show was in Tampa. And this night I had more fun. You know, I, I had gotten over the hump. I was ready to play. I was really happy with my performance that night. Okay. Moving on to Orlando. Now the stage at Wills was pretty tight. So it, it was, uh, I felt like I was doing a balancing act the whole time. Right. And uh, I was positioned, like trying not to knock into anybody, trying not to knock into the drum set. So, uh, and I, I waited way too long to eat that night. So I was like, oh, let me not eat because then uh, I'll be extra ready on stage and I'll be ready to go. And that was a mistake because I felt really shaky and I almost lost it during one song, but I held it together and got it done. Uh, happy with my performance that night. Happy with the band's performance every night so far. You know, feeling good. We're getting better each show, getting stronger. Night four, Jacksonville. I kind of fell apart. Nothing happened, per se. I just get in my own head too much sometimes. So, and, you know, there's mounting pressure each night, right? There's just mounting, mounting pressure. And I guess it got to me night four. Nothing happened. You know, I, I, I wasn't quite happy with how I played personally. I think I messed up a couple times, but not even anything big. So after the show, I just sunk into a really negative headspace and I was kind of beating myself up, but I realized that I was being ridiculous. Like it wasn't necessary. The set was fine. Everything was good. Could I have changed a couple of things for the better? Sure. But I got over it and pushed through. And then uh, the final night, North Charleston, South Carolina. Now, I was like, this has to be the perfect night, right? Because the previous night was not great for me. This has to be the perfect night. So we played at a place called Tuolingua in North Charleston, South Carolina. And it's like a house that they converted into a venue and art space, all ages. There's art hanging everywhere. There's a nice little green room for the bands to sit and practice and get things ready. In one room, they had like an old sound system playing Truman era radio broadcasts. It was really trippy. And the space itself where bands perform was lit beautifully, blacklight, eerie lighting, just really, really one of the best venues I've ever played. And the show was great. The show was great. It was our best performance of that run, I think. We nailed it. I nailed it. I felt fantastic. I was in a happy mood. I was, you know, I was just, it was just the perfect way to end this run. And I was just really happy to have the opportunity to do this, especially with Spotlights, because Spotlights are such an incredible band. And watching them win over the crowd every single night and just level the room every single night was unbelievable. People were so into it and the sound was massive. I mean, they deserve every bit of credit they're getting. Jillian Carter, another band we were on a couple nights of this run with, fantastic. Three-piece, they sound massive. It's like technical, chaotic, metal-infused hardcore, and they're running around the stage and running outside, and the guy's throwing the guitar in the air and catching it and still playing it, and it's just somehow still all sounds seamless. And they had they were they, they were really funny guys too. Really, you know, really fun to talk to. They were great. Uh so it was just 
fantastic to meet all these bands on tour and be out there and be doing this again after all this time. Because it's been such a long time since I've done this. And I thought it would be harder, you know, because I I spend a lot of time by myself. Not all the time, but a lot of time. So I thought it might be difficult to travel and sleep next to people or near people or be with people all day, all night. But it wasn't. It was, it was fun. It was fun. Everybody in the Darling Fire, you know, we don't know each other incredibly well, right? Um, Mike, the guitar player, and Geronimo, the guitar player, and Jolie, the singer, they've been in this band together for a while. But John and I are newer, so we're coming into this thing fresh. We're all getting to know each other. We're all figuring things out. But everybody was just going out of their way to be nice to each other and make sure everybody's okay. And most importantly, have fun. And we did. It was so fun. This is unheard of for me, but I did not want to come home, right? I'm usually in a rush to get home and do my thing here, but I did not want to come home. And I was actually sad when I did come home. I just wanted to get back out there and do it all over again. And I came home. I got home Wednesday evening and I was like, okay, I'm home. I'm going to play these video games and do this and catch up on that. And I just passed out in bed from 8 p.m. until the next morning, just out. And I guess I needed that because, you know, you don't sleep very well on tour. I don't, at least. I'm not used to being up till 1, 2, 3 in the morning. And then you get back to the hotel or the house, wherever you're staying, and, you know, people are up late and talking, and it's just, you know, you get an hour of sleep here, hour of sleep there. And I wake up early still. You know, no matter where I am, I'm still up at 8 a.m., but that's good for me because then I can get into the shower before everybody else and get myself situated, drink some coffee, sit around. You know, that's that's what I like to do. I like to ease into the morning. But listen, this was the best time I've had in like 20 years. So let's give some thanks, huh? To Jamie Arthurs, our manager, for helping us book and coordinate everything. To Alex Kay for letting us stay with him. To Ben and Jamie Lauren for letting us stay with them. Uh, Spotlights, of course, for taking us out, Mario, Sarah, and of course, Chris Enriquez. Excellent, excellent, excellent band. Thank you, Jillian Carter. You guys were awesome. Uh, All the bands we played with, all the venues we played, especially to Olingua in South Carolina. That was just an awesome place to play. And I want to get back there again. And, And I want to thank Casey and Joe from iodine recordings as well because 3 years ago none of this was none of this even existed right when i was doing this podcast when i first started doing this podcast with tommy i saw that some podcasts were associated with record labels right record label would have their own podcast partnership and i was like wow maybe i can do that like what if i could partner with a label and do what they're doing and that happened Within uh, a year and a half, I think, of doing the show, started talking to Casey and, uh, you know, just the show has grown so much and now I'm in a band on the label too, The Darling Fire, which I really didn't expect, but this is checking a lot of boxes for me. This is stuff that I only fantasized about doing again when I was strung out uh, by myself all the time and uh, I'm just really, really, really happy that I got the opportunity to do all this stuff. So I'm happy. I'm very happy and very grateful this week. So thank you, everybody. 
and I'm sorry if I missed anybody, uh, but I met a lot of people out there, a lot of bands. So, yeah. Darling Fire will have more shows coming up. Can't announce anything yet. And we will have more music coming up. Can't announce anything yet, but I'll, I'll leave it there. Expect more. Expect more. That is it. So, you want a musical recommendation? Here's one for you. We are going to end the show with Algorithmic by Spotlights. I cannot stress it enough. Getting to watch Spotlights destroy the room every night was just pure joy. So I will do the same to you now with this song. Make sure you check out their record, Alchemy for the Dead. Really, really good stuff. So that's it. I'm back next week with a new episode and a new guest. So thanks everybody for listening. And until next time.